Blog Talk Radio. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order a copy, contact savae.org. And they're also on Facebook and do live shows. You can find them there. And also you can listen on YouTube, and they also have a CD available on Amazon. And we would like to say thank you very much because we love that opening music. Um, 
we also uh, had uh, a friend of mine, Kat's older brother, passed away uh, today, and God rest his soul, and um, we pray for Kat and her family, and today is her birthday also. So um, please keep that family in your prayers, and uh, uh, we will talk about more about that later. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Shar McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenets of Sunday. is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. You may use any Bible you wish, of course. I have had spiritual experiences and in It's ongoing Bible study, and we're working on our YouTube Bible. It started uh, on the first book of the New Testament. And then we worked all the way up to First uh, Corinthians 16, which is today. And then we're moving on to Second Corinthians. The call-in number for any special prayer requests or just to listen is 619-924-9744. And we are every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So let's do our opening prayer. And let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all the Christians that are being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. Those whose lives are taken for distorted evil reasons, we believe that they have become martyrs and are now praying for us. We pray all those suffering from violence here and at home and abroad. We pray for their peace. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for their suffering for domestic violence in their own homes. And we also pray for freedom from addiction of it, every kind. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and other policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for their problems and suffering all over the world. We thank you, God, for all the things you have blessed us with. And we all ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and, and that everyone in their families remember they're in our prayers. And I want to wish everybody a uh, happy birthday this morning, happy anniversary. And uh, also we celebrate that uh, every milestone in your life. So God bless you and many more. And we wish you much prosperity for the year ahead. Okay, so we're going to start uh, reading our Bible, and uh, if you don't have a Bible there, I read out of the Ryrie Study Bible. It's worked very well for me. Um, if you don't have a Bible there, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com, one of my favorite online sources, uh, because um, it has a lot of good notes and concordances and everything. Anyway, from last week, we have the summary from chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
So let us read. I want to thank Schmook for uh, the notes here. And we're going to start with uh, the resurrection will not be televised. Paul reminds the Corinthians that he is the one who taught them all about Jesus. How he died and rose again and appeared to a lot of people, even little Paul. He is the hardest working among all the apostles in this Christ business. Now they're saved unless they start to slip a little. There are some in Corinth who doubt Paul's teaching. For example, the one about being dead, being raised when the world ends. Well, yeah, that one. Paul explains that there's no resurrection of if there's no resurrection of the dead, that means Jesus was never resurrected. Saving so that Paul is a big fat liar, and he's calling a liar, Corinthians. And then three, their faith was all a waste of time. And four, that everyone who has died believing in Jesus just turned to dust. Whoa, right? So Christians who look pretty, would look pretty stupid if the resurrection of the dead isn't true. Anyway, it is true. In the, it's the end of the world, but Paul feels fine. Anyway, the truth is Jesus is, was resurrected. He's just first among the long line of people who are going to be back when the world comes to an end. Everyone in the world had to die because of way back in Genesis. Nice going, Adam. But now everyone will be alive because of Jesus. It's actually pretty simple. Christ died and rose again. Soon this world is going to end because he's going to come back again. And then he's go- he'll raise all his faithful followers from the dead too. And then after that, Jesus will defeat all evil and hand over the reins to God, all in a day's work. Anyway, you can't subtract one of those steps. You, need to, you, you kind of need them all or else God's plan isn't going to work. And he hates it when that happens. Anyway, here's another thought. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then why do Corinthians bother getting baptized on behalf of dead people? What's the point? Oh, and why are Christians risking their lives, family, relationships, and social standing for a God to just let them die and turn to dust? Basically, according to Paul, if the whole resurrection thing of the dead thing isn't true, Christians are wasting their time. Yep, that's the message, and that's what we read last week. And now, the zombie apocalypse. Okay, so Paul's established it. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead, right? So what's the deal with our bodies? Are we talking zombie invasion, or do our bodies change somehow when they rise from the dead? Well, our bodies are kind of like seeds. We're planted and die, but then we are reborn to a nice, thick stalk of wheat or a tulip or something lovely like that. Our boring earthly bodies are weak and perishable and pretty much all around boring, but our heavenly bothers are going to be well heavenly. It's like with Adam, his physical person first. Then Jesus came along with a spiritual person. Yes, we're physical, then we'll become spiritual. Get it? We're going to change. It'll happen in an instant. A trumpet will sound and we'll all be different. That's the only way God will totally get one over on earth. So rest easy, Paul. Everything says he says is true. So if you believe, you've got nothing to worry about. So believe in Christ. Christians believe in Christ and we pray and hope and wait for the return of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to go on to read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then that's going to be the end of the 1 Corinthians. We'll go on to 2 Corinthians. Can you believe that? We made it all the way through. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as directed, as I directed, 
the churches of Galatia, so that you do all, you do also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections may be made when I come. When I arrive, whoever you may approve will send them with letters to carry your gifts to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. The planned visit of Paul. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I'm going through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. But I do not wish to see you now, just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries, and then exhortations, greetings, and benedictions. Now as Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. For he is doing the Lord's work, as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I accept him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren, and it is not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has the opportunity. Be on the alert and stand firm in faith. Act like men, be strong. Let all of you be done in love. Let all all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of the Arcadia uh, uh, and that you have devoted yourself for ministry of the saints. That you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus, and are checkless, sorry, because they have supplied that which is lacking in your part, and for they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The churches of Alta Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, it is his be accursed, Maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So that's the note, and that was his closing from all the letters. So the saints are actually believers in Jerusalem, and we're reading the notes now. The, the Christian's giving is to be done regularly on Sunday into a private fund set aside at home from which the fund he makes distributions and in proportion to God's prospering. Uh, Paul let others handle the money. Anyway, seeing a door is a, a door of opportunity. And um, he's talking about the assignments and fortunes. And they, they brought the letter from Corinthians mentioned earlier. And Aquila and Priscilla, they were tent makers whom Paul first met at Corinth and had moved to Ephesus and made their home available to the church. And then the Holy Kiss and I stopped dictating. Okay, Paul stopped dictating at this point and did the remainder himself and finished the letter. And then Maranatha is our Lord come. 
and in spite of the stern rebukes in this letter, Paul assures the Corinthians of his love for all of them. Anyway, so that was a pretty stern letter, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, we'll read the, the, uh, uh, notes next week. So next week we're going to start on, let me see here, first, uh, second Corinthians and the introductions, uh, let's read that right now because we have time. And the author is Paul and the date is 56 on the occasion after writing first Corinthians. Paul found it necessary to make a hurried, painful visit to Corinth, since the problems that occasioned the first letter had not been resolved. Wow. Following this visit, he wrote the letter, the church a severe and sorrowful letter, to which he refers to 2.4, but which had been lost to us. Titus refers, defer, delivered that letter. Paul was unable to wait to meet Titus for his return visit to Troas, hurried on to Macedonia, where Titus Related the good news of the church finally had repented their rebelliousness against Paul. From Macedonia, Paul wrote Second Corinthians and followed it up with his final recorded visit to the church. A popular theory claims that chapter 10 and 13 are part of the lost sorrowful letter, although some features of this chapters correspond to that which have been the contents of the lost letter. The principal subject of that letter uh, the offender of Second Corinthians 2.5 is nowhere mentioned in these chapters. Further, there is no evidence for so partitioning Second Corinthians' purpose. The purpose of this letter was threefold: to express joy at the favorable response of the church to Paul's ministry; two, to remind the believers of their commitment to offering for the Christians in Judea, and to defend Paul's apostolic authority. Anyway, the, the letter contains many personal and autobiographical glimpses into Paul's life, and it's the longest discussion in the, of giving in the New Testament. And so we're going to be uh, start reading into that, and it's going to be uh, very interesting, and we'll move on to that next week. So let's see, uh, time. we have enough time to read a story, and I've been very blessed by being able to go through a Bible with you, and I love it very much. And I'm learning a lot, and I hope you are. I hope you like it. Okay, so let's go. So I'm going to read out of our little trusty guide post, and I'm going to pick a story at random, and just God help us, you know, and bless us by the story I'm going to read this morning. So let's see. Okay. This, This chapter is called What Happens When Love Fails by Hannah Pearson. My sister Katie and I are trapped in the pantry with our mother. She's giving us shots of blood red vinegar. Even if, if I swallow quickly, the sharply acidic taste remains in my mouth. She holds my face towards her as her thumb pushes in under my jawbone. I used to admire the crystal shot glasses kept in Graham's cabinet, but now the glass is thick and cold as my mother forces the caustic punishment down my throat. It is a few years later on the 8th. I'm sitting on the dining room table with Strong's exhaustive importance of the Bible. It is an immense book with tiny type. There are no sentences, only phrases, abbreviations, and reference numbers. I love to read. I have a list of books I've read this year, but Strong's does not have stories in it. The leather-brown King James Bible has stories in it, 
but my task was to find all the verses under the bold heading that reads, Tailbearer, and after that, Liar. When I write out the relevant Bible passages in the entirety, my only recourse is to do as I'm told so that maybe this has not happened again. It starts to get dark and my fingers hurt and I get thirsty, but I stay in the, at the table until I'm all done. I kept these disciplinary measures. They are not painful like the under-chin punches that do not leave much of a visible mark. As I get older, the injustice strikes me harder. Words cause me the most pain. The words last much longer than the bruises. My mother wishes out loud that I never been born. She destroys my self-confidence. I have developed a sort of cynicism. I doubt that people can honestly be good to me and that they could like me. I have no sense of security or trust. I find a kitchen knife on the floor in my room and wonder what was contemplated while I slept. Sometimes I try to hide alone and scared in a dark, cold cellar or garage. Sometimes we fight all night. I struggle to get away when she becomes bored or tired. It is futile for a 60-pound child to try to escape the bathroom when a large, strong woman blocks the door. Grandpa threatens to call the police, but he never does. He's afraid of her also. My headaches, welts rise on my arms, and blood rushes to my face as I feel my cheek grow warm under her handprint. Her anger comes from something other than my failings. Something else sets her off, but she attacks Katie, Graham, and me. I am the oldest, strongest, and angriest, and I fight back. I do things to distract her from them. Then I throw her diet soda on her worn blue bathrobe. Then her hatred is turned towards me. But I'm only a weak child, but I cannot do anything to make it all stop. Sometimes my mother speaks with no emotion, no expression in her face. It scares me when she's hollow like this because I know she's agitated, perhaps on the verge of explosive wrath. I do not want to upset her, and I'm afraid of messing up. I always treading on thin ice. My efforts to avoid confrontation by careful obedience are doomed to fail. I have become a meticulous perfectionist, a treat, a neat child to those who do not know. People think I have good uh, manners. I'm unseen and unheard. I just watch. I have plenty of time to study my family members because I'm observant and I'm sensitive to what the people in my house are feeling and thank you. It is like keeping track of pieces on the chessboard. It is necessary that I know how each piece moves and how the opponent will react. I do not worry about winning, just keeping myself out of check. I start sixth grade with a new school. Katie does too. I try not to be noticed. This is difficult because in my class is small and other kids are nice to me. I go to their birthday parties and eat dinner with their families, and maybe they like me a little. Their moms seem nice, but my mom can seem nice, too. My teacher is more than just nice. She understands. Mrs. Hoffman must remember what it's like to be a kid. I work hard in school. If I do really well, my mom might not get so angry with me. Dad might notice that I exist. He might listen. He might be around more. He spends plenty of time with other kids. He directs the youth group at church. I bring home almost perfect report cards, but he does not say a good job. I work hard anyway because I am learning, and I am learning that there is much more than that I want to know. 
Dad comes home late at night wearing his leather jacket after youth group. He smells like bowling alleys and pizza, and he sits at the edge of the bed. Dad says that Mom might go away for a while to get some help. Instead of the sudden information solving my problems, it adds to them. Information, peace by, don't let your mother know, is dangerous. Well, and my, conclu- my conclusion is discovered here, for the consequences will be severe. Katie is worried I try to come for her. Mrs. Hoffman can tell I haven't slept, and she does not know that my mother had her hand around my throat last night. I talk to her. I tell her some of what's going on, and she goes with me to the headmaster. I cry because I know it may only get worse from here. They give me a dry, papery Kleenex. When my dad picks Katie and me up from school, we cannot go home. Katie cries, and she does not want to leave mom. My dad said he's taking us away. We end up at a foster home in the next state. It is a Christian family, and they pray for us. The family already has plenty of kids. Eventually, Dad, Katie, and I move back together without Mom. The next years are filled with lawyers and social workers. A psychiatrist evaluates us. He says, my sister and I are okay. I think Katie and I have learned to cope with a lot. I have to go to court. One of my teachers gives her me an index card with verses on it to give me courage. They're the kind of verses from the Bible, not a punishment or condemnation. They are not about talebearers. God says that he will be there even when your mother and father have forsaken you. I have not had a mother in an emotional sense. Now I have not even have one in the physical sense. I am the oldest. I am independent and responsible. I have to be. Some of my friends do have moms that wrap sandwiches and wax papers for the brown bag lunches. Their mothers do laundry for them, come to their eighth grade graduations and make sure the dresses fit. I buy fabric for my dress and my own money, and I sew it myself. I still have my dad, but he cannot fill the void where two parents should be. He is still the same. A woman who is also a group, youth group leader is my, my father's wife now. My mother still haunts my daily existence. She calls my school, my house, my friends and mothers. She shows up in my church. She follows me and makes threats. She tells people that I'm a terrible person. She throws red punch. She wrote, throws the red punch that they serve at church on our car. Restraining orders of only pieces of paper. She is committed to a hospital and just makes her more angry. Graham insists she is sick and I should not hold it against her. Christ commanded us to love everyone. When I go visit my mother, she's an insane per- person on the, p- the same people's floor, 10th floor. Please, Graham, I should forgive her. Later, I think I do. It is difficult for me to love. I have started with accepting myself. Even though my mom wished I had not been born, I could not have been happier to be alive. I have found that there are people who really do love me for who I am. They really love me to trust me. My trust is hard to earn because I have lost a lot by trusting a little. Maybe I'm not emotional because I do not find love quickly. But I'm emotional in the sense that I value love more because I perceive it as rare. God's love is abundant, yet rare in its perfection. I have been looking for faithfulness and unconditional love among my fellow imperfect human beings. Now as I face questions about my future, I can look back and see how God has carried me through. He has been faithful. As I fall away, he calls me back, and sometimes I think I have to study the search for God's love. I receive a sign. 
when I stop searching, I just think about all he has done for me. Faith, trust, and love have become so simple. And then it says Irish blessing here. God for the good day, God for the bad day, God for the pleasure, God for the pain, God for the rain, and God when our bars, barns are empty, and God when they're full, Irish blessing. Anyway, um, that story did mean a lot to me. And I, I really uh, pray for all of us that had that kind of upbringing, which I did also, sorry to say. And uh, God bless my mother, and God bless uh, everything she's been through. And uh, you just got to keep these people in our prayers that may be mentally ill. If you have problems, come at home, uh, pray, go seek help. There's a lot of even free groups. Groups, everything. So uh, get help if you need help. And God bless you. And uh, let's close in our, our closing prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you and see you next week. Love you. Bye-bye.